0: Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today is February 3rd, 2020. Can you believe it's February already? Here we are. And the poem that I'm going to read today is a ballad by John Greenleaf Whittier. He was an American poet who lived from 1807 to 1892. He was a Quaker, actually, and was an advocate of the abolition of slavery and is considered one of the fireside poets who were a group of 19th century American poets associated with New England. The poem that I'm going to read to you today, is a little bit long, so I'm only going to read it once, but it's called The Changeling, and it is a ballad. And uh, I'll offer a few comments at the end, but because it's a couple pages long, although not long lines, but it takes a little while to read, a couple minutes, I will uh, only read the one time, as I said. So here we go. John Greenleaf Whittier's The Changeling. For the fairest maid in Hampton They needed not to search Who saw young Anna Favour Come walking into church Or bringing from the meadows At set of harvest day The frolic of the blackbirds The sweetness of the hay Now the weariest of all mothers The saddest two years bride She scowls in the face of her husband And spurns her child aside Rake out the red coals, Goodman, For there the child shall lie Till the black witch comes to fetch her And both up chimney fly it's never my own, little daughter. It's never my own, she said. The witches have stolen my Anna and left me an imp instead. Oh, fair and sweet was my baby, blue eyes and hair of gold. But this is ugly and wrinkled, cross and cunning and old. I hate the touch of her fingers. I hate the feel of her skin. It's not the milk from my bosom, but my blood that she sucks in. My face grows sharp with torment. Look, my arms are skin and bone. Rake open the red coals, goodman, and the witch shall have her own. She'll come when she hears it crying in the shape of an owl or bat, and she'll bring us our darling Anna in place of her screeching brat. Then the goodman, Ezra Dalton, laid his hand upon her head. Thy sorrow is great, O woman, I sorrow with thee, he said. The paths to trouble are many, and never but one sure way. Leads out to the light beyond it, my poor wife, let us pray. Then he said to the great All-Father, Thy daughter is weak and blind, let her sight come back and clothe her once more in her right mind. Lead her out of this evil shadow, out of these fancies wild, let the holy love of the mother turn again to her child. Make her lips like the kiss of Mary, kissing her blessed son, let her hands like the hands of Jesus rest on her little one. Comfort the soul of thy handmaid, open her prison door, and thine shall be all the glory and praise forevermore then into the face of its mother the baby looked up and smiled and the cloud of her soul was lifted and she knew her little child a beam of the slant west sunshine made the wan face almost fair lit the blue eyes patient wonder and the rings of pale gold hair she kissed it on lip and forehead she kissed it on cheek and chin and she bared her snow-white bosom to the lips so pale and thin oh fair on her bridal morning was the maid who blushed and smiled but fairer to ezra dalton looked the mother of his child with more than a lover's fondness he stooped to her worn young face and the nursing child and the mother he folded in one embrace blessed be god he murmured blessed be god she said for i see who once was blinded i live who once was dead now mount and ride my goodman as thou lovest thy own soul woes me if my wicked fancies be the death of goody cole his horse he saddled and bridled and into the night he rode he now through the great black woodland now by the white beached sea he rode through the silent clearings he came to the ferry wide and thrice he called to the boatman asleep on the other side he set his horse to the river he swam to newbury town and he called up Justice Sewell in his nightcap and his gown. And the grave and worshipful Justice, upon whose soul be peace, said his name to the jailer's warrant for Goodwife Cole's release. And then through the night the hoofbeats went sounding like a flail, and goody Cole at Cockrow came forth from Ipswich jail. So, as I mentioned, he was John Greenleaf Whittier was associated with the Fireside Poets and with New England, and there is, of course, a great um, canon of literature from the from the region related to the Salem Witch Trials and responding to it. The work of Nathaniel Hawthorne, in particular, comes to mind the story like Young Goodman Brown in particular, which if you're familiar with that, some of the names here, uh, like Goody Cole, will be familiar. So on the one hand, this is a a sort of folklore ballad about um, a complicated uh, period in American history, which which is responding to it. And then it's also got some psychological depths in terms of understanding our our narrator, you, you know, you can think about that quite a bit. There's a lot of literature, essays, things like that, that are responding to it if you want to learn more about this poem. But I'm particularly interested in the idea of narrative ballads. And in particular, I wanted to read something um, that I've mentioned this book before. It's The Making of a Poem, a Norton Anthology of Poetic Forms by Mark Strand and Avon Boland. And they have a section on the ballad. And one of the things that I wanted to mention or to read is this line, Quote, one of the signature traits of the ballad is the way that vernacular dialogue breaks into the narrative, turning it into a living, vivid theater of the speech of its particular moment. And in this book, they go on to talk about how uh, ballads have many different forms, uh, poetic forms in terms of meter and rhyme and stuff like that. Um, But that what seems to be the consistent part of the ballad, the thing that seems to keep them being popular in many generations, going back to they believe the 14th or 15th centuries, is the vernacular dialogue breaking into the narrative, and I'm I'm very interested in that idea, um, and the way that through the ballad poetry can be for all people. Often we think of poetry as being something that's uh, um, for the elite. Or um, not, not for the common man, and I think that that's not how poetry was always thought of, and our culture would be would do well to rethink that perspective, and the ballad I think could be a way for that to happen. We see it already in folk music, you know, ballads by Johnny Cash or in country music or by Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen. You know, those are uh, um, the equivalent to. The 19th century ballads like the one here. Um, and I wish that it would go beyond just folk music. And I don't mean to belittle folk music, which I love. Um, I, I wish it would go beyond folk music and country music. And that the, the, the ballad like this would, would come back and be more prevalent, that more writers would attempt them. And I know there are people out there doing it. I don't want to diminish that. But that's why um, I'm, I'm fond of the ballad. Um, I think that there is still enough uh, vernacular speech in our country in all the different regions and different cities that could be preserved and celebrated and explored through the form of the ballad. And, um, you know, I wish that would keep happening. So because it's a long poem, I'm not going to read it again. You can obviously run back the podcast if you'd like. But uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, putting up with me, um, sharing my interest in the ballad and explaining a little about why. And this is one that I think is uh, is an interesting interesting listen, if nothing else. So with that, thanks so much for listening, and I will be back tomorrow with another poem for you.